We have a lot of people out, but we have a lot of visitors. One of those visitors is my daughter, and uh, it's her three-month anniversary of being married, so everybody be sure to say hi to them. We, I'm, me and Melissa miss her a lot, but uh, we're thankful they came to visit us this weekend. And all the people who got together this weekend and shared food and were thankful for family and friends and things that you normally don't do. You don't get to see everybody very often. I hope you had a great long weekend. I appreciate the opportunity to uh, stand before you. It's been probably 15 years, maybe, maybe longer, I don't know, maybe 12 um, since I preached, could be that I preached before and they didn't want me to do it anymore, but <laughs> that's not true because we have so many talented people here at this congregation who can preach and fill in for Barry, and they're not here. That's why I'm here. <laughs> so I, it defaults to me, but immediately as soon as Chad asked me to preach, I said yes. And then my mind went to well, who could I get to do it for me? (laughs) Eli was coming in. I said, oh, I could have Eli do it. And then uh, Karen's boys were coming in and they both, they got two preachers there. Either one of them could do it. And uh, I hit Austin up this morning. (laughs) You want to preach? No, I didn't want to do that to him. Even though his mother would greatly have appreciated that so much. But I wanted to preach in front of you to see what I can do, because I've, I've thought about this for, you know, a month now, trying to think about what am I going to preach on? What, and here we are, and I started preparing, and every time I would go down one way, I'd go another way, and then I said I'd take all these other points and put it together, so I hope this makes sense, and I hope you appreciate it, and uh, appreciate the effort I put forth in doing this. But we're coming to the time of year, as we read in the scripture reading, that we're thinking about Christmas. And even though it's not that prevalent anymore, that Jesus is the center of Christmas, it used to be a very Christ-centered time of year, to the point where most people, even Even non-Christians know the story of the birth of Jesus. And even in the church, we usually don't preach on the birth of Jesus at Christmas time. We usually do that Easter. We talk about the crucifixion on Christmas time, but it's it's all Christ. And our our lives are Christ-centered all the time. Not just a seasonal thing, not just a one month out of the year. But Christ is our focus. And the opportunity to talk about this at a time of year when other people might be thinking about it is why I chose to talk about Christ and maybe some misconceptions of what Christ offers us in this life. Because as as somebody who is not a Christian or somebody who is religious and they know the story of Jesus, do, do they, what, who is Jesus to them? Who is this Jesus 
And what do people know about him? It's, um, most people think they know Jesus and what he is and what he has to offer. But to this world, it's nothing more than the story that Brian read for us about Jesus' birth and how he came. They were in Bethlehem. They didn't have any room at the inn. They had to go to a manger and that... This baby, who is going to be the savior of the world, was born. And people can't help but thinking about this sweet baby and how innocent a baby is and how wonderful it is that he has come into the world. And they know the story of the angels that came to the shepherds in the field and how they announced Jesus to the world. But very few, you know, I always think about this, one of the favorite parts of growing up was watching Charlie Brown Christmas because they always quoted this in Charlie Brown Christmas. And even today, it's almost like they've removed Christ from this time of year because it's not politically correct to talk about Christ. Let's talk about the giving of gifts like the wise men who came. And everybody assumes there's three wise men. Matthew says there was just wise men. But we think about it because of three wise men because of the three gifts. The gold, the frankincense, and myrrh. But but most people don't go any farther than that. They don't go any farther than this manger scene to know Jesus and to know how he was a savior of this world. Do we go far enough to know Jesus? But what do people want Jesus to be? There is, um, there's so many things, the misconceptions about what they want Jesus to be to them. And one of the misconceptions that I came up with is that Jesus is going to bring peace. It's going to be farther from the truth. They think about this time of year and they want peace on earth. And everybody talks about peace because we love each other. We want peace in this world. And, and those are very desirable things. I mean, nobody likes confrontation. Nobody wants to be combative. One of my uh, favorite songs at this time of year is, you know, my grown-up Christmas list. They say, no more war in that song. That's my grown-up Christmas list, but that's not real. I mean, even today, you got Russia invading Ukraine. It's ever prevalent and constant. And yes, I'm thankful I'm not over there, but it does happen. And Jesus did not 
come to this earth to bring peace. And even... Some people even say that, referring to the verse that Brian read for us, that, that, it, was, that it was this, that, and the angels announcing peace on earth. But let's read it in Luke 2, 13 and 14. And suddenly there was with, them the angel, uh, with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among those who with whom he is pleased. Does it say peace on earth? Is it saying there, Jesus is going to bring peace to this earth? No. It doesn't say that. It says there will be peace among those whom, with whom he is well pleased. Does that mean we won't have conflict in this? No. It's not, we'll look at other verses in a little bit about that. But there are many, many verses that talk about peace, that talk about how Jesus talked about peace in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And in Isaiah, when they are prophesying about Jesus, Isaiah 9 and verse 6, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Those are great thoughts, but did Christ preach peace? He preached peace within us, but what did he say about peace? Most don't even know what he said about peace. They just want peace. Everybody wants the peace, but what does Jesus say about peace? In Luke 12, verses 49 and 53, It outlines what Jesus was about to endure and what he said about peace. I came, to ca I came to cast fire on the earth. And would it that I were already kindled? I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how great is my distress until it is accomplished. Do you think that I have come to give peace on earth? No. No, I tell you, but rather division. For from now on, in one house, there will be five divided, three against two and two against three. And they will be divided father against son and son against father and mother against daughter and daughter against mother and mother-in-law against daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. Doesn't sound very peaceful. Most people do not want this Jesus. They don't want this Jesus. And they don't even understand what this verse means most of the time, but they think about the life of Christ. Think about Christ and his life. Was it very peaceful? 
He had crowds of following. He would feed them, and then immediately they would come back and want to be fed again. And he would tell them to go away. Then there would be people he would, people would see him heal people and immediately get mad because he healed somebody on the Sabbath. Or he, everything he did was confrontational to them. And all the people wanted to do was entrap him and get rid of him and make him and stop him from do, preaching what he was preaching. And they beat him. And they killed him. Doesn't sound very peaceful. Another verse that many in the world do not know about is Matthew chapter 10, verse 34. Do not think that I come to bring peace to the earth. I've not come to bring peace, but a sword. A sword. Now, does he want us to literally fight and take up a sword and fight? No. But he brought the word to us so that we would be able to defend ourselves from the errors of this world. And, and if you've ever been persecuted for doing what's right, you know what that means. You know that you will, people will not like the fact that you came and did what was right. Because that makes them look bad or, or they want to do something that's not right. Jesus suffered. His followers suffered and were threatened and beaten and thrown into prison. Nothing about any of these things are peaceful. And Jesus knows how we suffer. But we can have peace within ourselves. That peace that surpasses all understanding. But it's not in this life, it's within yourself. It's within yourself to know that you have peace. And that your Father in heaven is going to save you. And that you can have peace in the life after this. And that Jesus, who came to this earth, is our Savior. And He is great. He will reward those who digitally seek after Him. That's just one misconception. Another misconception that people have about Jesus is the fact that Jesus is love. This time of year, love is, is all around us. People are wanting to love each other, show kindness to each other, and that is great. Don't get me wrong, those things are awesome. People are giving, caring. Charities are doing well to take care of those who need love. But many times, many people have misconceptions about Jesus and his love. Jesus' love for us is like John 3.16. For came to the world, 
For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that all that believe in Him may not perish but have everlasting life. That's the love of Jesus. He is our Savior. And the things He had to do for us is what was awesome. And the things that manifest love through Christ. But let's look at what, how Jesus commands us. In Matthew 22, verse 36 through 40 tells us how we should love Him and love one another. And this is the commandment, the greatest commandment of all. Matthew, 20, Matthew 22, 36 through 40. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And He said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And the second is like like it, that you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Everybody knows this verse, but how many do it? How many love like Christ loved? Another verse is Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 through 47. And here he adds more love on who we should love. And you have heard it said that you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say unto you, Love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you so that, when you, that, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love one another, who, if you love who loves you, What reward is it? What reward do you have? Do you not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brother, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? It's important for us to love each other, but we're also commanded to love the people who can't pay us back. Because if we just love each other, the love that, that we show to people who can pay us back, we have a reward. Our reward's here on this earth. It's not a reward that God, that God gives us to us. But we're supposed to love our enemies and those who persecute you. Who wants to do that? Who wants to love your enemies And then love them to the point that they persecute you. Nobody wants to do that. But yet, this is what Jesus commands. He commands us to love those who do not love us back. And if we love those who who love us, you have the reward here. But we need to go beyond that.
But the world at this time of the year expects gifts. That's how people show love to each other. And when you don't get the gift you want, it lets them down and you don't love them enough. Kind of guilts you into the fact of loving someone. But what else does Jesus say about love? In John, main point, Jesus wants us to love him. He wants us to love him. In John 14, verses 23 and 24, Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my words. And my Father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the words that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. How do we love Jesus? We keep his words. But of course, if you don't know his words, you can't love Jesus. It's easy to say, I love Jesus. But when you do what he tells you to do, that is how you say, I love Jesus. And by saying, by not doing his words, by not doing what he tells you to do, you're saying, I don't love you. And that's hard. Also, another verse of what Jesus wants us to do is Luke 9 and verse 23 and 26. And he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. And whoever would lose his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses and forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when it comes in his glory, in the glory of the Father and the holy angels. Take up your cross daily and follow him. Not doing what we want to do, but what he wants us to do, which is to love him. And by loving him, you do what he wants us to do. And not be ashamed. My question is, do you know Jesus? I had a conversation with uh, Melissa's uncle. This... Uh, Friday. And one of the things they're discussing in their religion, their denomination is troubling to them. 
they've been part of this congregation their entire life. They've lived in one place and, one, and they're two houses down from the church they attend. And they're both struggling to know what to do because the domination is making a decision whether to let, you know, lesbians, gays, and transgenders and others, the LBGQ crowd, to be part of their congregation and take leadership. And that is something that the world wants you to accept because that is love. But if you know Jesus, that's not right. And Jesus teaches against it. So why would they even consider staying with that congregation or staying with that group of people? It's because they don't know Jesus. My challenge to you is to know Jesus and to know him the way he wants you to know him. Not some time of year where you celebrate the birth of a baby but to know what he wants us to do. Thank you for your attention. Go out and study harder, as this sermon helped me do, to know Jesus. If there's those among us that would like to know more about Jesus, we'd be happy to study with you. We would love to study with you because that shows your interest in wanting to know Jesus. And if you would like to come forward or you have struggles in your life right now, we can help you and pray for you because we want to show love to you. And we ask that you, if you wanted to become a Christian, a child of God, because that's the only way to get into heaven and to realize that our lives here to serve Jesus is through baptism. I ask you to come now as we stand and as we sing.